Well, the rally in US equities has stopped for now. Oil is falling further today. Are we preparing for the slowdown? Certainly the US seems to be preparing itself for rate cuts next year. But what about Europe? Today, China's inflation numbers, lots of central bank speakers from Europe, Japan, the US. But let's be honest, it's quiet out there today. It's Thursday, the 9th of November, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, oil is down again today. WTI is down two and a quarter percent. Brent is 2.2 percent lower down into the 70s now. Well, you know, it's still quite a bit over 79, but I don't think it's been down at this level since July. The US dollar has been up and down today. It's up 0.3 percent at one stage. But right now it's exactly where it was yesterday. Against that, we've seen a slight rise in the euro, a slight fall in the pound, a 0.4 percent fall in the yen and a half percent fall in the Aussie dollar down to 64 US uh, Share markets have finished their enthusiastic lurch forward over the last few sessions. It looked like they were all going to close down, but no, the S&P and Nasdaq managed to lurch into the green in the final hour, but only just. The Dow is down 0.1%. In after-hours trade, the uh, Disney share price uh, up about 1.5% uh, straight away because they came out with their earnings. 150.2 million subscribers, 147 was the estimate. They are on track for cost savings as well, and they expect to be profitable by Q4 2024. So lots of wins there as far as investors are concerned. Uh, Europe's still on the up there, up 0.6% for the Eurostox 50 and half percent for the DAX, but the FTSE 100 down a bit. And bond yields lower again today, down six basis points for 10-year treasuries, down four for 10-year bonds in Germany. Aussie 10 years, uh, they yields down 11 basis points yesterday to 4.58%. Then another six lower on futures. So lower, but you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, does it, that they were uh, only just up to 4%. So let's talk a bit about all of that with uh, NAB's Ray Atrial in Sydney. So please explain. I mean, let's look at yields first of all. Uh, the RBA puts rates up. The speculation that it could be another one early next year. Aussie yields fall. The Aussie dollar down more than most currencies. I mean, shouldn't it be going the other way around? Um, you'd think so, but it's, uh, it was just a classic case of, of buy the rumour, sell the fact, wasn't it, that, uh, earlier in the week? Mm. And uh, the fact more and more commentators have, uh, you know, are coming out saying, well, maybe the uh, maybe the RBA is done here. And obviously that uh, much softer uh, tightening bias than, uh, than we ourselves were expecting, I think, does explain the fact that the Aussie dollar has leaked lower. But I think, you know, on top of that and looking at currency markets overnight, and we've got the New Zealand dollar down. We've got the Canadian uh, dollar down. Incidentally, I'm just uh, seeing the Bank of Canada uh, minutes of their last meeting crossing the wires as we're talking, and uh, they are reaffirming there is a tightening bias there still. So whether that will have some impact uh, remains to be seen. But but then I will look at the oil market, and it's down another two dollars on top of the. So we're sort of two to three percent down on top of the four percent down. I haven't seen any new specific news that's driven that but um you know if i believe what i read in the newspapers or the or the wires it, it's deepening pessimism about the global demand outlook which you know in turn saying you know increased pessimism about the, the global economic uh, view going into 2024 and, and yeah uh, it's bizarre isn't it because we've had this you know the longest rally for two years on the s p i mean it's mm-hmm. finished off today but that could just be you know yeah. chance for, to catch their breath I mean, if it was yeah. a slowdown, why mm-hmm. why are equities sort of so gung ho over the last week or so? Well, it's uh, obviously the the fallback we saw in yields, which was uh, arguably the primary driver of the equity rally that we saw. Um, you know, we saw last week. It's oh look, we're more confident that the Fed is done. We're more confident the Fed's going to be easing. You know, that plays to the soft landing view. Equities go up. Um, whereas now, I think the 
you know, it's the sort of overriding pessimism or concerns that, you know, the global economy isn't going to be uh, very flash next year. We've seen some uh, various sort of growth changes, uh, although the IMF actually has seemed to be quite positive as far as China is concerned. But um, Mario Draghi, incidentally, the former ECB chief, has been out overnight saying the eurozone will be in recession by year end. Um, and he's blaming effectively high energy prices and talking about the fact that the eurozone is suffering, you know, energy prices two to three times higher than other major parts of the world and the, the, the dire need for productivity improvements. So uh, I think to some extent that might be feeding this sort of slightly more pessimistic. Nothing to do with the ECB then. It's all the other factors that were driving that recession. Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. So- yes, incidentally on that, <laughs> on that incidentally though, it's worth noting that uh, the ECB survey of inflation expectations was out yesterday evening and the one year ahead inflation expectations reading is up to 4% from 3.5%. So, um, you know, you talked, um, you, you talked about, uh, I think it was the Holtzman, the, uh, the arch ECB hawk still saying that, uh, you know, we can't sound the all clear effectively on policy. And, you know, this sort of will perhaps reinforce that view that, um, you know, the ECB is not yet, yet ready to call time, even though, um, you know, there's increasing talk that rates will come down uh, next year. And I ditto the Bank of England, read those uh, Hugh Pill comments that we got earlier in the week. But uh, against that, New Zealand's one-year head inflation expectations uh, fell to 3.6 from 4.17% a quarter ago when they published Mm. their numbers yesterday. It is a survey of 39 business people, I should add. It's a small country. How authoritative that is. is, uh, I will let other people... (laughs) Maybe uh, that's all they can manage. I don't know. So their expectations (laughs) are actually rising. So they're saying uh, in the long term. So they're they're saying a bit lower in the short term, but for longer. That's the opposite of Mm. uh, higher for longer, isn't it? That's right. I think so. The longer ones, both five and ten year, have edged up a little bit. So certainly something that uh, the RBNZ might be raising an eyebrow at, something to keep an eye on. I think it's the, the fallback in the one-year ones that will, will give them the confidence that uh, that they don't need to tighten policy uh, further. But, um, you know, we're still of the view that, uh, you know, being the central bank that, that led the G10 uh, charge to higher rates by, I think it led the Fed by about six months back in uh, 2020, late 2021, six months before the Fed, uh, there's still a chance that they will be one of the first cabs off the rank when it comes to uh, potentially easing policy next year. Yeah. So it seems less likely in Europe. You know, the expectation was that Europe, you know, was just about done and would be starting to lower rates. And we, we but, you know, from what you're saying, well, I mean, actually, if Mario Draghi might be right and that might prompt it, might it? But we had uh, jo- Joachim Nagel from Bundesbank saying, uh, you know, into the last mile, that might be the hardest. So they might have uh, more to do. In fact, he wants businesses to absorb rising wage demands. He doesn't think that's happening yet. So they've got to take a margin hit, in other words. So he's looking at a business to try and solve the problems. But we've seen softness in retail sales in Europe. So down 0.3% month on month, down 2.9% year on year. So, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's definitely slowing, as you'd expect. But, no, it is actually. Although uh, there were some um, some revisions to uh, to previous months upwards, so the the year on year rate mm. is, is minus two point nine was actually a little bit uh, less uh, negative than had, uh, than had actually been expected. But um, you know, but nevertheless, it's still uh, the trend still seems to be down for the time being yeah. at least. We'll get uh, Christine Lagarde tomorrow morning, I think, along with some other. Uh, ECB speakers and talking about central bank speakers, uh, Jerome Powell. Uh, he gave a speech in the last few hours. Well, he, he was sort of like the. Uh, it wasn't a particularly interesting speech, but then it was uh, the opening remarks to a conference celebrating the centenary of the Fed's research and statistics division. 
So he didn't really talk about monetary policy, he just talked about process and how they needed to combine intellectual rigor with flexibility and agility with their forecasting. That's what they need to do. So they've obviously not been doing mm. that yet. So that Absolutely. could be, could be Flexi- a change. Flexibility. Flexibility and agility, I would see as a, as a, as a euphemism for humility. Um, and uh, yes, in terms of needing to apply more rigor, I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that's... Uh, um, you know, circulating through central banks throughout the world because they've had such an abjectly bad uh, time of forecasting inflation, no more so obviously than uh, than down here um, because of all the uh, you know specific issues relating to the pandemic and, and their interpretation of it. So um, yeah. anyway, I know that John Williams, who's the uh, sort of the New York Fed president, probably number probably the second most important Fed official, is due to address that conference um, any time now. So um, right. I'm interested to see that's how he embellishes he those opening remarks from Mr. Powell. Yeah. All right. So maybe we should try some intellectual rigor as well on the on the morning call. Give it a try. I mean, there's there'll be YouTube video telling you how to do that. Uh, it's interesting. We have, that- but we, we, we have such high listenership. I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to break something. <laughs> it's it's not very well by bringing intellect into it. Of course not. So interesting. Uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal today, just while we're talking about central banks, James James McIntosh talking about, you know, how much has the Fed actually done, you know, because they haven't changed, really changed the savings levels. Personal savings rate is still 3.4%, same as last March. They haven't changed consumption. In fact, it's risen. Same for GDP. They've not had much impact on jobs. So perhaps they do need to do a bit more intellectual rigor because it makes you wonder if they if they hadn't lifted rates, what actually would have happened? Would perhaps inflation have come down of its own accord? Well, it's, it's it's certainly possible, and um, you know I think that uh, the article is going on to suggest that um, you know it's it's supply factor. I mean, the healing of supply chains in the goods market, but also you know increased labour participation, for example, has brought uh, seems to be bringing wages growth to heal, um, you know, more readily in the US than other parts of the world, and they're obviously key, you know, two key issues basically that uh, we're, we're responsible for, for some of the strength that we saw. Um, you know, would I go as far as to say that monetary policies had no impact? No, I wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I still think, you know, the, the compare and contrast with how restrictive monetary policy has been in most other parts of the world in contrast to Australia, you know, says something um, to the point that inflation does seem to be falling back in other parts of the world, less so uh, here in Australia. But um, but who knows? I've just when I you know, saw the headlines, as I'm reminded of the uh, the quote, I think it's attributed to um, Rudy Dornbush, the uh, the late great economist. But uh, I do have his economics textbook on my, uh, uh, it was one of my go-to readings at the university, but he made that comment that the expansions don't die of old age, they're typically murdered by the Fed. And uh, there's a little bit of that. If we're seeing an economic slowdown coming through, is it uh, is it the response of, of higher Fed policy? And I guess the flip side is, you know, is this weakening inflation that we are seeing, you know, really the responsibility of, uh, of Fed policy? Or otherwise, I'm still prepared to believe that uh, Fed tightening has had... Uh, it's had quite a lot to do with it, although in the US, of course, because of the proliferance of 30-year mortgage rates, um, you know, consumers have to date been shielded from uh, most of the impact of higher interest rates. Well, step forward, Governor Oredo, a man who's not offering higher interest rates, uh, he's talking get later on, early evening Oz time. Last time, he was saying the very opposite of what every other central bank saying. They all want companies to absorb wage rises. He wants companies to pass them through. So what's he going to say today? And he was talking last night, incidentally, and he's sort of still having a having a bob each way by sort of saying, look, it's still possible that we could determine 
that the sort of wages condition for two uh, percent sustainable inflation is being you know is being met. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have to see real wages in positive territory to do that, but I think that uh, you know, more likely than not. You know, they want to see through next spring's what they call the Shinto and Ringo annual wage round rounds with the, with the major unions before they'll, they'll make that uh, determination. But yes, you're right. They, uh, he is urging on companies to, uh, to get on with the job of raising wages. Uh, to the point where they feel that inflation can be uh, sustained above 2%. Right, yeah. Well, the opposite problem of everyone else. So so China's inflation rate this morning, uh, what would it be? Not much is the answer, probably. I mean, producer prices last time were down 2.5% year on year. I mean, that was surely what we want to see is lower export prices, but more exports. So we can inherit some of that uh, Chinese disinflation, just like the good old days. Well, there certainly there may well be an element of that. And in fact, CPI inflation is expected to go back into deflation territory. Minus 0.1 year on year is the consensus from 0.0% last time. Although you have to caveat that by saying we've seen, I think we've seen a 40% decline in wholesale pork prices in the last 12 months. You know, and that is a significant part of uh, not just the food element of CPI, but the overall CPI basket. So I think once we look through the effect of that, I don't think we're going to have quite such a, you know, a disinflationary or deflationary picture. But it will also play to the view that, um, you know, the PBOC still has plenty of scope to ease monetary policy. There is, you know, speculation that we wouldn't fight, that we may see a further cut in interest rates between now and the end of the year. And what that does, feeding it back to the Aussie, it is going to further undermine the um, the Chinese currency, given why, ever-widening yield differentials. And if the Chinese currency isn't going to improve, then it makes uh, it's certainly a weight uh, on top of the Aussie dollar, which you know can still benefit from a rising US dollar, but would certainly be constrained you know, if we see this ongoing weakness in the Chinese currency, to which the Aussie, you know, continues to be very closely linked. So a quiet uh, rest of the day today and a quiet overnight session, isn't it really? I mean, we've talked about central banks because we get jobless claims uh, from the US overnight as well. But that is just about it, isn't it really? No, indeed it is. So I think it's going to be a, sort of a little bit of a, a limp into the weekend, dare I say. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll catch you soon. Good to have you back on, Ray. Catch you well, next thanks, time. Thanks, Phil. And as Ray limps off, uh, I'll be back again tomorrow morning for another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.